This is Kerry Murdoch with Practical E-Commerce. Harry Joyner is a longtime e-commerce recruiter, having launched his business in 2005. Given the recent news of layoffs in the industry, I recently spoke with Harry. I asked him about the state of e-commerce recruiting, hiring tactics, and more. Here's that conversation. Well, Harry, thank you for your time today. My pleasure. Harry, when I think of e-commerce employment, I think of Harry Joyner <laughs> and your company. You've been doing it for so long, and you have such an awesome reputation. So our audience, of course, are practical e-commerce. Our audience is entrepreneurs and managers and executives of e-commerce companies. Uh, we've all read about the layoffs in e-commerce and the downturn. So just wanted to visit with you about it. And my, my first question is, what is the state of executive e-commerce employment right now? Mm, I would say the last two or three years has been a circus for us. I mean, the net, what we're seeing is that executives want to work from home and okay. employers want people to come back to the office. So it's a standoff and there aren't any easy answers to that. And further complicating that is the fact that the expectations and the terminology aren't standard at all. It's like, you know, full-time stuff and part-time stuff on site, fully remote, partial remote, regular office visits. And what we're seeing is that every executive has her own needs and values, and every company has its own culture that it's trying to build, and every job has its own requirements and KPIs, and you start to overlay these things, and it's a lot of complexity to manage. So it's been a zoo for us the last two, three years, you know, since COVID. So have the job openings been there, and it's just been difficult aligning what candidates want with what employers want? Is that it? The demand is there. But what we're seeing is that um, the positions that are in highest demand is what I've come to call load-bearing walls. You know, I mean, that's basically what it is, is a load-bearing wall. Most walls aren't load-bearing. Some are. And it's like these are the walls in an organization that if you knocked it out, all hell would break loose. Mm. And what we find is that those are the people in an organization that justify our recruiting fee, so our recruiting fee can be kind of expensive. And so we want candidates who are in high-impact roles and can plug and play and drive so much value in that role that our fee is lost in the rounding of the incremental value that they will drive in the position. So, I mean, it sounds salesy when I say it like that, but it's really just sort of a mathematical reality of what we do. So walk me through, walk us through... Uh hypothetical engagement. A company, you know, hires your firm and for that type of position, a load-bearing position, as you put it, then what do you do? Sure. So a hypothetical engagement. Um, let's say that an e-com company hires us to find a VP of e-commerce. Okay. Right? So somebody who's going to have an impact on growth and efficiency and cash flow and maybe even like the capital optimization piece and maybe even the exit value of the firm. It's funny, like we receive 150 inbound calls a year, you know, for possible searches, and we take about half of those deals. Oh. And we're always looking for searches where the clients, obviously, they have like a budget, 
uh, need a timeline, but you know, we also look very carefully at whether or not we feel that our typical target candidate can do reputation enhancing work there. Okay. And it's kind of like they say in Hollywood, you know, in Hollywood, the richest actors aren't the richest actors because they're the best actors necessarily. They're the richest actors because they get the best scripts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you go back in time and somehow we can prevent Jack Nicholson from reading for the role of Nathan Jessup in A Few Good Men, and he never gets an opportunity to scream, you can't handle the truth, at Tom Cruise, you know, mm-hmm. then the arc of Nicholson's career is forever interrupted. Mm-hmm. And it's a reputation-enhancing role. And this sounds a little, you know, lofty to say about e-commerce recruiting, but what we're looking for is an opportunity for the candidate to step in and do reputation-enhancing work in the client's business. And one of the reasons that our placements do very well is because we don't take searches where we don't think the candidate can succeed, an A player candidate can succeed. So we will ask a client a number of questions regarding their business, like what's the business about and who's the slam dunk customer for that business and how big is the market opportunity? Are they creating demand or capturing demand? You know, what do the growth rates look like? What's in their tech stack? What's in their talent stack? Who are their agencies, right? And we look at things like product market fit and so forth. And we really work hard to understand the underlying economics of the client's business because what we find is that in e-com, there's nothing more unforgiving than bad economics. So we'll ask a number of standard questions obviously about like who's doing the job now and what could they be doing better and what are the top five problems that exist due to the position being open and step us through this person's average day. We'll always ask like at the end of 100 days, how will you know if this person is crushing it in the role? Like what KPIs specifically are higher or lower as a result of this person's success? Mm-hmm. And mostly what we want to know is what's holding the company back so we can help candidates connect the dots between what they're going to be doing all day and how they can drive reliable growth in the firm. So that was a long answer. Sorry about that. But it, it takes mm-hmm. the right company with the right market and the right time and the right product and the right idea and the right candidate. When do you know if someone is a success or not? In a role. We have a 90-day guarantee. Mm-hmm. So usually, I mean, like almost always, well, we can tell after, I would say, you can tell after 30 days if somebody's mm-hmm. going to be successful in a position. You know, because they're going to plug and play, and they should be able to ask basic questions, right? They should have a, a process, you know, for examining what is the company doing right that it should do more of. Mm-hmm. What is the company doing wrong that it should stop doing? Mm-hmm. And what's the competitor doing that we should copy? And what is nobody doing that somebody should do? And again, I mean, all this sounds so salesy, I suppose, because I'm on the phone five hours a day, five days a week, 50 weeks a year, and I'm, this is, I'm in my 19th year of doing this. Wow. And yep. all of this stuff that I say, I mean, I say it all day, every day. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. what we're really looking for with a VP of e-commerce is somebody who can make an immediate impact, 
They've got a network. They've got a name, right, so the board can get excited about them. They're backable. They've got a pedigree of the right companies and the right roles and the right schools. Maybe sometimes that matters. Most of the time it doesn't. But they've got, you know, a passion and a track record of growing e-com businesses, and they've got a plan for growth. Mm-hmm. And you can tell definitely, usually before an offer is tendered, you can tell. We replace very few people in our line of work. We're right. I mean, I don't have a monopoly on good ideas, right? I mean, clearly I'm, but I've done this so many times that we replace very few candidates. Most of our candidates are successful. The title VP of e-commerce without really knowing what I'm talking about. That sounds to me like someone working maybe in an omnichannel company or a you know, a brick and mortar company or something that has an e commerce division. I mean if if I'm a pure play e commerce company, do I if I you know, if I'm an executive is there also a VP of e commerce for a pure play e commerce company? There can be. Okay. I messed up. I should have before this call I should have gone to LinkedIn and pulled up in LinkedIn Recruiter all of the VPs of e-commerce in America. There's there's like a ton of them now. There's like yeah, yeah. there's a whole mess of them. But okay. um, you know, basically what it is is in my book, right? In my opinion, mm-hmm. a VP of e-commerce has to be really good at four things, right? So the four legs of this stool are APC marketing. Right, so paid, owned, and earned media, usually. There's DTC technology, that's number two. So that's, you know, the e-commerce platform and CRM and order management and, you know, performance monitoring and, you know, what's whatever, managing whatever's in the tech stack. Mm -hmm. There's Amazon. So I'm going to give Amazon its own leg, 1P, 3P, FBA, whatever, right? So Mm -hmm. there's Amazon. They have to know something about that. And then what I call other e-tail, which is Walmart, Target, could be eBay, Overstock House, what have you. Now, of course, different companies go to market differently depending on who the customer is and how the customer thinks and how they buy and all of that other jazz. And so you could have wholesale online, you know, where, you know, or you could have direct retail where there's stores or catalog or DRTV or a call center or what have you. So, like, it totally depends. But, like, what we're all about here, there's only two of us in our firm. It's me and a Mm -hmm. guy named Alan Seibert who's been with me since 2008. So we're partners in the business. Mm -hmm. And what we're really all about in our thing is bringing a SAFA mentality to our client's business. So when I say SAFA, SAFA to me stands for start anywhere, finish anywhere. Okay. So like my clients typically, you know, they don't care if a candidate sees the product on Amazon and buys online, you know, DTC. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they encounter it in a Walmart and then go next door to a Target, they encounter it there and then they buy on Amazon. That's fine mm-hmm. too. You know, okay. and then they they buy at DTC and then go to Amazon, subscribe and save or whatever. It's like, we don't care. We just want to sell to the target customer the way she buys and ultimately feels better about herself because of her relationship with our brand. Like, honestly, that's like all we care about. So what I'm about as a recruiter is finding business-oriented executives, 
again, it's not a sales pitch. This is like an actual thing. This is what I'm looking for all day, every day. Got a process for it. I'm looking for business-oriented executives who have an analytical bias to the way they make decisions. They're hypothesis-driven, and they can sell to the slam-dunk customer the way she buys. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's what that's really and truly what they're about. And those people typically are in the top 3 to 5%. I would say about 1 in 20. i got to kiss a lot of toads in my line of work to get to the, you know, one in 20 that can do it, but they're totally out there. And, you know, let's say there's, I mean, here, let's do some math. Your audience will like this. Let's say there's 100,000 candidates out there, right? And let's Mm -hmm. say that the typical VP of e-commerce has his or her job for three years. So Mm 100,000 candidates on LinkedIn divided by three years, 33,333, right, come on the Mm -hmm. market each year. Times 0.05, I'm looking for the load-bearing wall, the load-bearing A player. That's 1,600 candidates, A player candidates on the market this year, divided by 12, 138 candidates a month. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that there's an old joke in the recruiting business that goes you're only perfect twice in your life at birth and on LinkedIn. <laughs> right? So yeah. now I got to look at LinkedIn bios all day or resumes all day. We have a hundred and something thousand e-commerce resumes in our own proprietary applicant tracking system. We look at those resumes, and if they're all written to be similar, then it's not like finding a needle in a haystack. It's more like finding a needle in a stack of needles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's just it. our thing is it's tricky. You give them the example of VP of e-commerce. Someone approaches you and says, I need an email marketing manager or I need a, someone to run pay-per-click ads for me. Do you place those people? Yeah, we do. But yeah. you're going to ask me how much we charge. And so I'm yeah. going to answer your question with a version of that answer. Okay. Right? So okay. we charge 20% of a candidate's first year base salary if and only if the client makes a hire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, so we have to, I'm a straight commission sales guy, basically. Gunslingers don't get paid by the bullet. <laughs> and so we submit candidates, and if the candidate doesn't have a big enough economic impact, then the client goes, well, it's really good, but I'm not going to pay Harry 20% of that person's first year pay salary. Hmm. Right? And okay. so let's say there's an email manager who's 100000 bucks. I'm totally making this up, but let's just say that's what it is. Right? Okay. Now all okay. of a sudden... My fee is twenty thousand bucks. Twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars for an email manager. Like that's a lot of money. You're gonna send a lot of emails and generate a lot of revenue and sell a lot of dog collars or whatever for that, you know, to cover that nut. Yep. And so what we say is that the bigger candidates have a bigger economic impact and a bigger cultural impact and can better shape the future of your business than a lower-level candidate. So we're not above placing email managers or affiliate managers or whatever. We do that very successfully all the time. Mm-hmm. But you want to pay us for people who can come in and make a material impact because really at the end of the day, you want to return on our fee. Right, yep. So that makes sense? Yeah, sure it does. Yep. So email marketing manager... 
credit, $50 million revenue firm, $100 million revenue firm, what's that person going to make? Let's call it 100 Okay. Sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. It depends if it's partial remote or work from home or on-site. It just depends. So work from home is less than on-site? Work from home is less than on-site. Because yeah. on-site's a pain in the neck. Nobody wants to go in-site. Yeah. So everybody wants more money to do that. So we just placed some people this year with a company in New York City. Sweet people, great people. But, you know, they're senior management team wanted everybody back in the office. Hmm. Nobody wants to ride the D train to get to the, you know, office in Manhattan. And so it's like hardship pay or something. (laughs) You know, they they cost more. And then they're in New York. So it's like the double whammy. So say you're talking to a mid-career person or maybe even someone just a young person just starting out and they look at you and say, I want a career in e-commerce. You've been doing your job for 19 years. How do I start? What do I do? What do you tell them? I would say, okay, so obviously if somebody can get into e-commerce, it kind of depends on the experience level. If you have no experience, then there's good news in that e-com touches so many areas of a company that you can work your way into it from almost anywhere. Sourcing, planning, logistics, supply chain, finance, marketing, like almost any kind of operations. Maybe not legal, but who knows, maybe legal. And if you're in any of those areas, I would say just work your way on the projects that touch e-com, and eventually you can work your way into the e-com business. That's not like hard anymore because omni-channel means omnipresence in an organization. You can, you know, if you want a career in e-com, you can get there from here. For mid-career guys, is that what you asked about, mid-career? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. for mid-career people, I would say the logic is probably similar. I might add the suggestion that maybe during your next performance review of your current KPIs, whatever they are, for the upcoming year, see if you can't get assigned some responsibility for driving a few KPIs that will be strongly influenced by the company's e-com activities. And if you do that, that will justify your being able to squeeze onto e-com projects in relevant parts of the organization. That's, that's how we do that. That's great advice. Now, we've talked, we've talked about your firm, but let's, let's, before we sign off here, it's ecommercerecruiter.com. Am I saying that right? No? Yeah. So you can see me and Alan at ecommercejobs.com. So okay. Just go to ecom ecommercejobs.com, just like it sounds, mm-hmm. and there we are. Okay. Uh, or ecommercerecruiter.com. Okay. Or, like, I'm doing a lot of CMO searches these days, so I own cmosearch.com, mm-hmm. and I'm also going to be launching a job board at cmojobs.com. Mm-hmm. So, uh, me personally, okay. I do a lot of director level stuff, VP and CMO level stuff, and then Alan handles some VP director level stuff, and then he handles a lot of manager level stuff because it's a great service to the clients that we work with, and it gives us an opportunity to keep our finger on the pulse of what's happening at the lower levels, air quote. And, um, you know, there's still plenty of money to be made at the starting levels of an organization. So 2022 has been a good year for your company? It was a good year. It was a good year. I think that the industry in terms of uh, recruiting revenue 
Mm-hmm. It's going to get better. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm anxious to see what happens in 2023. Anxious to see what happens because of, you know, supply chain stuff and trade stuff with Europe and China and all of that other stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping 2023 is good for us, but like 2020 was a train wreck and 2021 was less of a train wreck. 2022 would have been a great year, but there was a lot of noise and confusion about work from home versus, you know, on-site versus partial remote and travel to the office and stuff. So hopefully by 2023, our business will continue to grow just because all of that crazy stuff has been teased out a little bit. That makes sense. When you say train wreck, you mean bad. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, 2020 was like being a construction worker in the rain. You know, when it, <laughs> when it rains, what do you do? You can't lay bricks in the rain. That's funny. Yeah. It's really a shit show. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Anything else on your mind, sir, before we hang up? No, I'm a big fan of y'all's blog. I well, thank you. Well, great. I so appreciate what y'all do, and I'm just a big fan. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, well, thank you so much, and we'll hopefully talk to you again another time. Sounds like a plan. All right, friend. 